Hi everyone, Zach here. Wishing you a happy new year because we recorded this episode back in December. One thing I just want to bring up on last week's episode, Zenger and I talked about Knights of Vader mugs. We do have our minimum of people signed up. We are going to go ahead and do that. But just in case some people didn't get that message or are still on the fence, if you're interested in a Knights of Vader mug, Check out any of Knights of Vader's other forms of social media if you want to see what the mug is. I know there are many of you out there. You probably don't want a mug, but in case you do, check out our Facebook group, our Knights of Vader Instagram account, KOV Podcast. I'll link to it in the show notes if you're interested. And heck, if you don't have any social media but you have an email account, email us at kovpodcast at gmail.com and I will send you the image in the 3D rendering. But if you are interested, please let us know. The deadline for placing orders is January 20th, 2019. And then, then when we get closer to the January 20th deadline, we'll talk about how we'll be collecting the money. Keep in mind, these mugs are $30 US a piece. And on with the show. One, two, three, four. In this podcast, you will be here. Knights of Vader, Knights of Vader. Includes, but is not led to. Talk of Star Wars. A big thank you to An Inspiriority Complex for providing our theme song. It is December 7th, 2018, and we're talking, will George Lucas ever return to Star Wars? My name is Zach Weber. Tonight, I am joined by Zenger. Uh, I thought Star Wars was too wacky for the general public. <laughs> and the one and only, the host of My Nerd World, and the author of Embark, a new sci-fi novel, is John Justice. That's the first time that somebody has introed me as an author. That's really weird and a little uncomfortable. Hi, thanks for having me back. You know what? I am uh, the king of awkwardness. I have a little badge that lets me. That's another. That's another notch in my belt to the awkwardness. So wait, I hold on thrilled. a second. We're we're interviewing John Justice today. I did all my research on Jim Justice, Governor of West Virginia. <laughs> <laughs> I, I was wondering why we were going to have him on, but that's me too. That's me too. Oh, oh okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I just go by John now. You know. Oh, okay. okay much cool. Attention being Jim. We I, share I, very I, many <laughs> of the same ideals. All right. Well, I was just going to ask you how how the um, new Fallout game represented your state, but <laughs> oh man, Zanger's making so many references. Came to track so many dumb references. <laughs> oh dear. No, thanks for having me on, guys. I'm glad to be here. Love the show. Oh. Well, it's our pleasure to have you on, John. As I've said before numerous times, I think I've left a review on your iTunes account saying, as someone who hosts a Star Wars podcast, I wish my show was as good as this. Oh, please. but you have me on. Please. Thank you, though. I appreciate that. <laughs> oh, it's my pleasure. But first and foremost, we have you here because you are an author. Even though it makes you feel awkward, I'm going to keep saying it. You have a new book release. It is called Embark. It's available on Amazon, both as a digital purchase and a tangible version, which can be used as a doorstop once you're finished reading it. It's big and thick. Yeah, it's big and thick. 
Mm-hmm. Exactly. That's what the kids use. They use their DVD, their parents' DVDs as coasters, and they use their parents' uh, novel and book collection as ways to keep doors open. Am I right with that, Sanger? Yes, that's exactly what all of our stuff around the house goes towards with my kids. Good. good. Oh, speaking of kids and speaking of stuff, um, the test was successful. Quinn immediately recognized the Star Wars um, Galaxy of Adventures. Oh, okay. We started with the Vader one, and she went, scary, and then she went, oh, Star Wars. Good, good. Uh, One more thing before we go off topic again. Zenger, uh, a couple weeks ago, we talked about the holiday special. For everybody listening, this episode... This is like like a weird. We're filming things out of order to get things in before the holidays, and everyone's no longer just available. Shoving them in, just shoving things in, and we wanted to. Add, I don't know. If, who knows? Zenger and I will record something next. We'll, we'll do Festivus next week. We're recording, but you'll be hearing this after Festivus. That's not confusing at all. And no. I want to ask Zenger now. Um, if we showed your daughter the holiday special, would she recognize it as Star Wars? I'll test it and let you know. All right, good. Thank you. Well, also, we'll, I, I am correct that I somehow avoided the record for the holiday special this year, correct? Yes, you did. That was recorded Thank a couple days God. ago. God. <laughs> Miracles no, Zenger, do happen, people. Zenger dodged that bullet like uh, Neo in the Matrix. Yes, very quickly. But anyway, though, so back to John Justice and his book in Bark. I'm going to read a description from the back of the book. I have it in my hands right now. Oh, cool. And, yes, it is. And you I hold quote, up the camera for the class to see? No, we're not that type of. Po- we're not. We're not technologically advanced enough to do that, Zanger. Oh, I'll definitely post a link to it in the show notes and in the Facebook and Twitter. Basically, all of our social media. If you are interested in this book, it is in the not so distant future. Flight culture has replaced car culture. Two of Earth's largest corporations now supply the planet with the technology and fuel to make air and space flight available to everyone, even Zanger. Yes. Ta- <laughs> Taft spends his weekends at an abandoned flying field, racing through the skies with his three best friends and the girl he longs to be with, Katha. After receiving a mysterious message from her deceased NASA scientist father, Katha and Taft make a shocking discovery. When Earth now suddenly facing a great disaster, a ruthless and power-hungry enemy emerges. Unwittingly, Taft, Katha, and their friends are thrust into, into the middle of humanity's fight for survival and future among the stars. Embark is the first book in a new series by John Justice. Wow, that's the first time I've had it read back to me. I is got chills. <laughs> cool beans. <laughs> no, man, it was, it was, um, I, I don't read. This is the weird thing. I'm horrible with grammar uh, and, and the English language, uh, but I like to feel like I'm good at telling stories. And so about three years ago, I just decided that, you know what, what if I wrote a book and I had this story idea and started writing it and it's one of those things where it almost it sounds weird but it like naturally happened like before i knew it i was like a couple months back and i was in the process of getting the cover design done and and uh, my wife was handling the editorial edit while i found a proofreader and before i knew it i woke up one saturday morning and the book was available up online and you know the rest is history you have it in your hands and you just read the description back to me it's all very weird very cool though very cool Oh, definitely cool. Because I've ever since I was in like middle school, I've always wanted to be an author. Yeah, I don't have the discipline to sit in front of uh, a typewriter or a computer for hours. I just don't have that sort of a discipline yet in my life. And I have I whether it be any sort of author, someone who writes poetry or novels or biographies, anything, I have so much respect for them because it does require a lot of efforts and patience to just sit there and just bang this out page after page. 
That was one of the things that I found surprising because I always wondered how does a how does an how does a, an author go about um, writing a story? You know, do they do they detail things out? And it's funny because I've been listening to a lot of um, a lot of self publishing podcasts and and marketing podcasts and things like that. And apparently, other people do outlines. I didn't. <laughs> I just basically sat down and started hammering away. I had an idea where I wanted the story to go, but I started just hammering away at the keyboard and, and uh, just did a little bit every day. And took a lot longer than it probably should have because I took big, huge gaps in time off because I wasn't under any time constraints. Um, I am now because I'm working on a follow up. I'm in the middle of recording the audio book, which will be out here in a couple weeks. Uh, for Embark, and then I'm already working on the uh, the follow-up. And don't want to wipe out too much on it, because I know I want to talk about Star Wars with uh, as well, probably as much as you guys do, but um, it, it really only happened because of my love for Star Wars. You know, we we all feel, we all know that feeling of anticipation, of waiting for something new to come out when we know a movie's in production. Uh, we were talking, you know, about the possibility of a trailer being released and seeing the first images from episode nine. And we all know what that feeling's like. And I wondered if I created my own story based off of the stuff that I love in science fiction without making it a copy of Star Wars. Could I kind of replicate that that hype? And it, I, I do. It did. Um, and so that's kind of how we're, we're, we're the whole idea came to write the story. And I mean, I, and honestly, if it hadn't been for my love of Star Wars, I never would have never would have written it. Um, the whole, and I don't know if I've mentioned this anywhere, but this book had to happen because it isn't necessarily even the story I wanted to tell. The whole point of when I started this out was, is that I wanted to do something on an epic scale out in the galaxy, but you can't do it like George did it because George already kind of owns now the fantasy realm in a galaxy far, far away. So I want I'm like, you know what? I want to set up a scenario where I get humanity out in the stars and then tell my own sort of space opera story in that world. And so that's where the this book came from. It's like, I, well, I have to spoiler alert, but it's in the back of the it's in the book description. You know, I have to get everybody off planet. And that's kind of where, where this. OK, so the first book's going to be just that get, you know, let, let's get our characters and let's let's get our story going. So that's where that's where it came from. And so far, everybody seems to really be enjoying it. And I couldn't be I couldn't be happier about that. So to be completely honest, I have not finished it yet. I am a slow reader. I hate it when I have to. It's kind of the thing that goes back to my school years. I hate rushing and reading something. I feel you kind of rob the text of its. I don't want to say. Oh God! We go, basically, we go, what makes it enjoyable? You know, it's kind of like imagine if you had to eat a meal, and he's like, "Okay, you have to be out of the restaurant in fifteen minutes." Sure, it's that's how I feel. I think schools ruin. I think for a lot of people, school has ruined reading because you're so used to just reading under the gun. So when you do have a nice, like John Ray say, thick book, you can just kind of sit, relax with it, read a few chapters here and there. It's a much more pleasurable experience. So I have not read the entire thing, but I have some questions. Uh, definitely no spoilers because I don't know what happened in the end. <laughs> So with that being said, one thing I want to ask from what I've read so far yeah. and what you've already said when it comes to like basing this off things like Star Wars and other science fiction. I would imagine Star Wars isn't the only thing you base this off of or was it in the back of your mind? No, no. I, th this whole thing was written right around, I mean, in, in the pre in, in the lead up to The Last Jedi and in the, you know, the post release of The Last Jedi. But the other thing, and probably what carries a larger influence on the book, is actually Ready Player One, for as weird as that sounds. That that 
that movie and that particular book really sort of hung heavy on me when it came to the characters and specifically the the the, the romance, if you will, in the in the book. It was it's way more if you're going to align it with anything. Um, space battle wise, yeah, probably Star Wars. But when it comes to like the characters itself, Ready Player One had a just a huge influence on 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 when I was writing. Cool. Because uh, the second part of my question is, because you do mention things, because you said this is a book clearly that is Earth-centric. We are not. This isn't something that's really out in the cosmos with all new planets and things like that. And But at the same time that we have new tech, or what's the word, technologies that aren't part of our reality yet. Sure. Yep. So my question is, but you do have things like podcasting technology. Mm-hmm. So how do you how do you balance it where you you have a nice balance of technology that's firmly entrenched in today's culture and stuff like invisibility and more or less spaceships and things that can maneuver that can't <laughs> that can't we don't have the technology for today. How do you balance that? Uh, it was really just a matter of necessity. Um, and I, I wanted to. I, I initially had a had a had a set timeline of how far into the future it was going to be. Sort of mentally doing the the jump of all right. So how far ahead would I have to jump in human history um, to where we could possibly have, you know, something like anti gravity uh, technology, with which is referred to in the book as lift manifolds on the ships, um, or the ability to cloak something. Which and and in the book, and I'll be honest, I never really get into specifically how they achieved that. More of just it, they did it. Um, and it was more just out of necessity in the storytelling. I, 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 I took the approach of, I kind of, it, it's a cheat. I'll be, I'll be, I'll be honest with you. It's an absolute cheat. I took kind of what star Wars did, but George could get away with it because he did it a long time ago in a galaxy far, far away. And it has the fantasy elements in it. And I took that sort of mindset and went, all right, I'm going to apply that to my, earthbound technology and then just trust that the audience is going to go along that we've been able to achieve this technology i i I guess i liken it to if you if you were writing a story with a cord with a uh, with a cord phone or like a rotary phone right if we go way back a rotary phone and then somebody told you there'd be you know wrote a book and there's wireless uh technology and the cloud you know you kind of go okay it's there you know, you don't necessarily have to have that described to you. And so I I took a risk. Thankfully, so far, it's worked. Uh, I haven't heard anybody that's kind of been complaining about it, but it was really more out of necessity. How far can I push the technology to do what I want to do in the story while still giving it a sense of reality? Gotcha. And the reason why you haven't heard any complaints, because I'm pretty sure this is how the formula model works. The first uh, piece of media, the book, the movie, the video game is the honeymoon period. It's that second one where we're going to start tearing you apart, John. Just let, <laughs> let you in a little bit on the Embark fan base. Um, I'm pretty sure I'm the uh, host for the Reddit page already, and we're waiting for that second one to say that you ruined our childhoods. All right, I'm down with that. You have a grace got, period. Better enjoy it. Well, I have a heck of a lot more confidence in the second book, so. <laughs> okay, good. So I'll, right. t- I'll, t- I'll, t- I'll take it because that was when uh, that's when things actually kind of open up. I mean, and I'm I'm excited about it. It's a w- it's weird, man, being a talk show host and you know doing what we do. And, you know, using using our voices the way that we do. And then my full time job of being just a regular radio, you know, radio show host, a news talk host. It's a it's such a different dynamic um, and in just a different world. It's been really, really fascinating to kind of venture into the world of individuals that only write. 
you know, doing being the person that usually does it using my voice. It's been it's been a lot of fun. I'm I'm really really glad that I did it and and, and have been happy with uh with the results so far. So next thing I want to ask, we have two dueling corporations in this film. We have DeCorp and Entercon. Yep. I, I, I have an idea about what those companies, corporations are based on, but I want to ask you first and see if I get it right. Was okay. there any basis for these two, like in our own reality of two corporations that are kind of tied together, yet there is a rivalry animosity between them? Nope. Really? None. It was, and the fact, here's the thing, the fact that you kind of grabbed onto something, I'm curious to hear what it is, um, is cool. And I dig that because I've had some other people that have done something similar, but honestly, it was once again, it was simply a matter of necessity for the story I wanted to tell. I needed, this is what I had set up in the beginning, um, of having two corporations because it's going to bear out down the road, um, uh, and so they weren't based off anything that currently exists. It was based more off of, I don't want to say an ideal, but it was based off of more of one out where I wanted to take the story. I needed two entities, so I decided to make them corporations. Okay, because again, I haven't read the whole thing, so I don't know if, if there is some sort of plot development. Okay. From where I was, or the, the vibe I got, was it felt like an Apple-Microsoft uh, Apple situation. Oh, Interesting. I I got that vibe from like, oh, and maybe not the current, because I know nowadays the, there's really barely a rivalship, uh, rivalry between Apple and Microsoft. But I was thinking more like late 80s, early 90s of those two companies. Right. And maybe even early 2000s where I know there's an infamous video of, of Bill Gates and Steve Jobs sitting down together being interviewed. And you can just feel the tension in that room. It's funny that you didn't, that clearly wasn't your idea, but that's the vibe I got from it. So it's well, fascinating. What's what's I, and I th and I think what's interesting about it is on a subconscious level, um, you could you could make that equation, and I think that absolutely fits. But you know, it, being completely honest, it was really more, it was really more em uh, light side, dark side, empire versus rebellion. That's that's what that's where that came from. Um, and again, wanting to do my version of Star Wars. Without doing Star Wars and 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 not getting not getting close to it to where everybody anybody I didn't want anybody to ever think it was a copy. That was kind of my point. I didn't want I don't want anybody to ever look at it and go, oh, it's a Star Wars ripoff. I, that's I, I wanted to avoid that at all costs. But I wanted to bring in the elements, and really, it goes back to what George did, right? George did his he based his stuff off of old mythology. Of good versus evil. I mean, it wasn't like he invented that. He riffed off of stuff that he grew up with. And so I tried to take that mentality in writing the book. Okay, if Star Wars is my uh, Knights of the Round Table, King Arthur, Beowulf, you know, jo uh, uh, Joseph Campbell, right? What can I learn oh, from Star I hear Wars? Many faces. Yeah. What can I learn from Star Wars to apply to my own story? So it really, it, the the mindset was an extension of that. So again, your 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 correlation of Apple and Microsoft, if you look at it from a good versus evil, because a lot of people do, I'm more of an, I'm more of an Apple guy. Um, then yeah, it absolutely fits. Gotcha. All right, and one final question for you: One thing you'd want readers to take away from reading Embark? Oh my gosh. Now that now that's that's the fun uh, fifth grade book report project question. Um, I just want readers to have fun. That's all. I, I uh, honestly, there was never. There's a there's a running theme in the book, 
um, and you've read enough now where you've, I'm sure you've picked up on it. Um, there's some people that probably the one complaint that I got is some people said I may have overdone it, but that's okay. I don't care. Um, there is sort of a running theme and it's not a religious theme, but I wanted to put something in there cause I'm going to use it later on. Um, and again, riffing off of the force and, and, and George Lucas, but really, you know, I'm not a book reader. Uh, that's just not my, I, I do read some books, but I don't read a lot. My wife is an avid reader and I wanted to write a book from somebody that didn't read and hopefully that other people that don't read might enjoy it. Um, and so I just hope that people have fun with it and I just hope that they enjoy the adventure. I really wanted to, t that, that, that first star Wars, you guys know this, that first star Wars was really simple. That's what made it so great. And that's what made a new hope. So great. The storytelling was completely straightforward. It wasn't complicated. It wasn't convoluted. Like we get with them. Like we talked about with the Marvel movies, you know, I mean, you can follow them, but Holy cow crimes of Grindelwald. Don't even get me started. Talk about convoluted. I just I just wanted something. This is good. This is bad. This is what needs to happen or this is the goal that we're that we're that we're going for. And and I hope that everybody enjoys the ride. So I just really hope that people enjoy the adventure and that it that they enjoyed it enough that when the next ones come out that you'll want to go and read the next one. Well, cool. Um, cool beans. That's all you can ever ask for is someone to enjoy your work. Yeah, man. I hope you're enjoying it so far. I I, re I really do. And I think if you've gotten if you've gotten to the halfway point and you're still with it, you'll be pleased with the rest of it. Because I personally think that the second half, once you kind of get dispensed with all the um, when you dispense with all the setup, because any any new series has got to do that. Once you get past all the setup and you get into it, um, it really takes off. And I feel like the second half of the book is is the um, is a stronger part. And I'm in the middle of recording the the last part of it with the audio book, and I'm really I wrote it, so of course I'm going to like it. But I'm getting a kick out of it, so. So with that being said, is Embark by John Justice available on Amazon, both as a digital release and a physical copy. Don't just use it for your doorstop. Read it. Enjoy it. it basically, it's a product of love from a hardcore Star Wars fan. And I, I know a lot of people say that imitation is the greatest form of flattery. I think that is wrong. I think the greatest form of flattery for any sort of for, for a creator or something is for someone to not just imitate it, but to do something new with the ideas that it put into their head. And that's certainly what John did. He definitely he could have sat there continue doing Star Wars podcasts or just complaining about how awful The Last Jedi is. But he sat there, took his passion, and he brought it to the next level. And I think that's what all of us should do with our enthusiasm and love of Star Wars or whatever it may be. So my hat off to you, John, for never mind embark, but just the overall idea of just channeling your creative energy into something like this. Bravo, sir. Thank you. Uh, thank you very much for that. And oddly, some Star Trek fans are liking it. I never expected that in a million years, but that's cool. I like me some Star Trek, too. So, <laughs> oh, I love Noah's Star Trek fan. At this point, I don't even know what a Star Trek fan looks like anymore. <laughs> All right, guys. See you later. Bye. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I'm just, I'm just, no, just kidding. So 20 minutes later, we'll finally get to <laughs> the name of the podcast, Star Wars Crap. Yay. Even though the, the name of the episode is Will George Lucas Ever Return to Star Wars, I have some questions for John, like we were telling him before we started recording. Every week I listen to My Nerd World is the only Star Wars podcast or any sort of fan analysis thing I listen to. I don't listen to Collider. I don't listen to any of the Star Wars podcasting cartel. I know I've heard in our Facebook group that apparently most people have, have read between the lines when it comes to that euphemism i call them but i do not give them i i, well, I, I read their leaks and stuff 
But like anything in life, I take it with a, a grain of salt. But considering that we do have all sorts of Star Wars things going on, or at least inklings, I think one of the first things that we kind of talked about before we started recording was there's some rumors about Episode Nine, And we'll be brief with this because chances are Zenger and I will get bored one day and end up talking about this for a couple hours. With all the rumors, so tune in to next week's episode. Yes, <laughs> next week's episode, which will be next year. So happy almost New Year, everybody. So there's a rumor going around that Kylo Ren is going to use red crazy glue and fix his helmet, and that Ray fixes the Luke Skywalker lightsaber. Thoughts? Boo. You you can go first. I'm, right. I'm going to see if I can get an image so I can be disappointed in multiple levels. <laughs> Uh, no, you know, I think first, first off, I think the, I think the leaks are credible. They're coming from a, a couple of different sources. So I like what I'm hearing so far. Um, and the idea of, uh, of Kylo putting his helmet back together and the, the method by which the leak is saying with some weird red adhesive, um, I really have a lot of faith and trust in JJ Abrams. I, I like him as a storyteller. I love him as a filmmaker. Um, and I, I, I trust that he's not going to put garbage up on screen. So I'm fine with the mask coming back. I'm going to assume that they're going to have a good reason as to why he's doing it, and I'll be on board with it. Um, I know that the uh, the leak had allegedly said that the uh, the lightsaber they wouldn't show the lightsaber being reforged back on screen, and I'm fine with that. Um, and I think there's something interesting in if they play with this idea. And again, this is pure speculation, but if they play with the idea of Kylo reforges his helmet. Um, and Ray reforges the lightsaber in the wake of what happened with the last Jedi. I, 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 I kind of like that idea. I think that, I think that that has some, some real interesting possibilities there. Cause with the last Jedi did, I love the last Jedi. Don't misunderstand. This is not a dig. I just thought it was an, it was an incredibly ballsy move of Ryan Johnson to undo so much of what Ryan Johnson did in the force awakens. It's part of the reason why I love the movie. I just, uh, you know, take that ridiculous mask off. It's like, oh my gosh, we spent the whole first film with marketing and all that, and he's just going to trash it in an elevator? Wow, that's that's a ballsy move. So, if if JJ brings those things back in the way that it's described, I am I'm I'm cool with that direction. So the images I've seen are like this, like skull sort of mask almost. Is is the image I saw it was like There's images? Well, a, a like hold on, artist rendering. Yeah. Oh. Hold, yeah, on. You saw, Hold on. Hold on. You probably saw the same artist rendering that that I think somebody right, had done. You guys a, got the screen share up. Oh, it yeah, looks was, like a hybrid of his mask and Vader's. But that was taken from the art book. Oh. Yeah, that's right. from a, that's 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 concept art from TFA. All right. Well, um, swinging a miss on my part. Sorry, <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm just saying. It, I don't know. It's this whole thing of. I feel like everyone wants the um, the next movie, whatever it's called, Return of the Sith or Revenge of the Jedi or whatever they're going to choose to call it. I feel like the only problem with it is everyone wants it to be a giant apology letter for Last Jedi. Basically to everyone who's angry about that movie. And it's like from somebody who's not angry about that movie, I don't understand why it has to be that way. I mean, if, is that making sense? Yeah, I don't think that I don't think it's going to be, and I don't think that that, and I don't. Well, think I'm, that I'm, I'm hoping it's not. I'm, yeah, I'm hoping no, it's I, not because then that's giving in to all these people that just cried and wanted to get their way over something that's like it's a movie. Get out. if you don't like it, don't watch it. I don't know of any. 
and I could be in and, 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 and both of you guys feel free to correct me if I'm wrong. But I mean, just from a from a content creating standpoint, right? And having done radio for 22 years and having bosses and, you know, you know, in charge of, you know, me and everything else, I'd never had anybody ever tell me what to say or do on, on, on the air. And, and, and I don't know of any like major content creator on a, on a multimedia level or a film level where they would go and, and consciously go and say, we need to go and and undo stuff. And I don't, I can't imagine I don't let me put it this way. I'm, this is a long, convoluted answer. Let me make it simpler. I don't think J.J. Abrams would have signed back on to do episode nine if they had given him any kind of mandate to go and undo or cor- or course correct off of the Last Jedi. To me, J.J. seems like the kind of guy going, "Hey, I'll do it, but I want to do what I want. I want to do." Like I could see him going, "Yeah, I'm not going to do that. I'll do what I want to do." And I can't imagine J.J. is going to take that position. Uh, I think he's going to do what's best for this for the storytelling. And the Last Jedi left it in such a way that JJ can really kind of do whatever he wants to do. He's not really tied to anything. I mean, the characters just advanced in their own arcs, but you know, we're, we're kind of at another starting point where JJ's open. So I don't see these as, as, as any kind of course correction in, in my opinion. Well, it's like, what do they course correct to? They course correct to the end of the, to the end of the series. It's like, you can't really do too much course correcting. So that's why I'm like, they can't, it's, it's like, the first half, you're going to waste a whole chunks of the movie to course correct for something that some people could honestly just not even care about. You could you could alienate a whole other set of fans that don't feel like having to sit there and have to basically relive parts of The Last Jedi so that it goes more accordingly to how angry people on the internet wanted it to be. Because, you know, that always works out well. <laughs> I'll keep most of my comments to myself because I think I've complained enough about this. J.J. Abrams scares the living daylights out of me, and I get what John's oh, really? saying. Oh, God, yeah. Oh, God. I, I, I do not... Uh, not funny. I think it's really funny about J.J. I think I've made very clear my dislike for The Force Awakens, but I love Star Trek Into Darkness. Star Trek Into I, Darkness is one of my favorite film-going experiences ever. I do, too. I do, too. I love that movie. All right. and But my issue... Like you said, John, you don't think J.J. Super blind. <laughs> It's funny. That's in a lot of those movies that or and Kurtzman did a lot of super blood in their, in their filmography. But uh, that aside, that's for another podcast episode. Was that I don't think I don't think Bob Iger and Kathleen Kennedy went to JJ and said we want you to undo the Last Jedi. I don't think that conversation. But happened. that's what fans want to have happen. But I think. Well, sorry that that's what a minute group of people who just apparently have to stand on a keyboard to type anything <laughs> by the way alienating a lot of our fans right now um maybe i don't know but yeah i i don't know that's but, can, sorry no go, no go i don't mean to interrupt uh no the thing that concerns me though is that jj does not have in my opinion an original bone in his body the and I, you it's there in his body of work everything is and i don't think it's from a maybe it's from a place of cynicism i don't know but you look at the original Star, or I guess 2009 Star Trek, you look at Super 8, you look at Into Darkness, you look at Mission Impossible 3, you look at The Force Awakens. Everything is building off a foundation of nostalgia, which is the antithesis of what The Last Jedi was going for. And considering that out of all the Star Wars films of the Lucasfilm Disney era, Last Jedi is the only one that we, that we almost for certain know nothing 
bad happened behind the scenes. Because there, to this day, there are still rumors that the, that the they basically had to throw out half the Force Awakens, and they reshot that film. They had to be very clever about their editing. I think that's why we're getting the, the whole thing. We're using we're reusing Leia footage from Episode Seven is because a lot of her stuff got cut out mm. because they didn't like what they were doing. And, or not because they, it just didn't work. I said, and JJ, and I've said it before, I feel he's a Brett Ratner minus the sexual harassment. Oh, uh, wow. Please don't sue you us, went, anybody. You went there. Well, you, you, went, say that, you, went, you went Brett Ratner. You went, I know. I, you went X-Men Last Stand. Oh, God, no. Get away. <laughs> well, that's that's what JJ is, though, in my opinion, is that he's a shill. And I think shills can do shills can do shill stuff but the problem though is that you and this is the weird thing with lucasfilm now is that you cannot go from force awakens which is nostalgia to rogue one which is a blend of nostalgia with updated elements to last jedi that says kill the past if you have to to solo which is nostalgia is fun right like that's you're giving the audience whiplash that's what that movie was about well it is you're 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 doing a character that a solo film on a character that's 40 You're years doing old. a solo film on a... Uh. Yeah, but that's... Uh, no, like I said, I, I don't want... I know I've talked about it enough here, and I don't want to waste John's time and our precious recording hours with him. But, no, that's just... I think I we had an episode called Ray's Lightsaber Episode 9, and at the very end, Zenger and I gave our official predictions for Episode 9. And my thing was, they're going to they're gonna bring back the, the Luke lightsaber. They're not going to do anything new. They're going to bring it back because J.J. is going to see that as we have to protect the original trilogy, mm. which is what The Force Awakens is. It's protecting the original trilogy. Sure, I'll give you that. And that's, and that's the thing. I would, from the rumors we've read, between the lightsaber, the helmet, um, it seems like we're going to get... Chewbacca is in it. Lando's <laughs> in it. Um, there's a jungle. There's, there's uh, something... No, but that's what kind of I feel. This is going to be a return. Of, like if anybody knows their Star Wars history, you look at Star Wars, the first one, a boffo success, universally acclaimed, audiences love it. Empire comes out, and even though it's not talked about now, but at the time, people didn't know what to make of that film. They really like people enjoyed it, but it was a head scratcher. It was not as fun and pulpy as Star Wars was. Lucas himself went and looked at the box office returns and went, uh-oh, and that's how Return of the Jedi came about. It was it was a course correction to what was safe with the franchise, or at this point, only two films, and it was circling the wagons. And I think, oddly enough, history repeats itself if we don't learn from it, and that's what we have right now with Episode Nine. I think Episode Nine is going to be it's going to be the Return of the Jedi of the sequel trilogy. We're going to have very familiar elements. We're going to get an, uh, a, a watered down confrontation between our hero and villain. We're going to have a giant space battle at the very end mm-hmm. that'll be considered the base the best space mm-hmm. battle probably for the next how many years? I don't know. Mm-hmm. I'll, I'll I'll be the determining factor on that. Stay tuned. Well, that but I think that's what it is though. Is that space it's battles this, are my it, thing? Yeah. <laughs> yes, yeah. Right. Know. As long I, as it's Star Destroyer in Atmosphere. You oh my god. In, instant win. Star, Star Destroyer in Atmosphere or not in space or doing something weird. Yeah. yeah. Automatic win for me. Zanger, you should go you need to go read Embark. It's all that's all the action. It's all space battles. That's all the anyways. Wait, wait, wait is, is is it all Star Destroyers like in or around atmosphere that aren't like super cool, stuff like that? No, uh, no okay, yes and no. We can go back to Star Wars. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> just tell him just tell him there's that once he's bought it john that's all that matters <laughs> buy the book then tell him this you pull the rug out from underneath him real quick i mean that's the only reason i bought um the force awake i mean the force unleashed is because there's a star destroyer and atmosphere and i actually enjoyed the game afterwards 
Yeah, there, 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 there is. I have, uh, I have Star Destroyers in the book, but they're called MMWs, and they're not triangles; they're big squares. That's a, oh that, man, that is the god, space. That is the god honest truth. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, I hate, we hate, hey, hey, let me. I'm gonna, I'm gonna stop you here, real, real, real quick, okay? Because I think this is a really good, this is a really good moment for everybody. Because this is a really good moment where we can show, right, that you can have disagreements and still totally all get along. I agree that I think that's the way that. Nine's going to play out. I think in terms of of um, of outline story beats, I think it's very much going to. There's going to be a a definitive Return of the Jedi outline that you can kind of lay on top of Nine. Um, I don't think we'll get a super weapon. Uh, I, I I just I don't I don't I don't see that happening. At least not in like a Return of Starkiller base. If you're doing a complete copy, right? Um, I do think it'll 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 end with a massive space battle. I think yeah. just. I think simply because one, it mirrors Return of the Jedi, but two, we haven't gotten it yet. I mean, we got one in, I mean, the Rogue One one is awesome, but in this trilogy, you know, in the first two, we haven't really, uh, if you're like me, when you watch the, like when I watch The Force Awakens at the end, there's that brief little moment right before he says somebody blew a hole in that oscillator where they're up in space and I just, even for that, I go, oh, they're right there. They're there. Oh, and they're back down again on the planet. You know, so I really do think we'll get that massive space battle. But I don't think the story where Ryan Johnson left it um, lends itself to doing anything other, um, to doing anything else as being a retread of Return of the Jedi. We're just not there with these characters. And that's not the core of this story. You know, the core of the story now is is Rey and, and Kylo. Um, I mean, I guess you could mirror Luke and luke and um and vader if that's the route that they go but um you know i there's gonna be there's gonna be beats but i don't see it being a sort of a retread as 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 is warranted when people say that force awakens is a bit of a retread because i agree with that there's a lot of i mean it's kind of the whole trilogy in one movie obviously i will be there um i'm gonna do the same thing i did for every other star wars movie after the force awakens where i go in with extreme skepticism and in one the pre in the previews end and we get the uh, uh, Lucasfilm in a galaxy far far away. I s- very quietly hushly repeat to myself, "Please be good, please be good, please be good." <laughs> think, think like the like was it, uh, Harry Potter when he's underneath the Sorting Hat. It's like not Slytherin, not Slytherin, not Slytherin. That's kind of like what I do in the theater. People look at me, I get weird looks, but like, you know what, folks? It's worked three at it three times for three now. So don't question my methodology. See, I would actually, you know, what I would do, I would I would point to into darkness as the example of why I personally have faith that JJ is going to do a good job with, with nine Uh, because you know, that, that the first star Trek movie he's admitted was designed to be like a star Wars movie. I mean, you watch it, that first star Trek movie, you know, that 2010 one is a star Wars movie. Um, I mean, it, it just in the beats and the way that it plays out, but I really, and I know that the fandom of Star Trek fans and a lot of people didn't like Into Darkness, but I thought Into Darkness was was really good, and I thought it was really good because it it was it was different. And I know that there's some treads of there of Wrath of Khan, but I liked what he did with it. And if JJ wants to do and does something that's closely aligned with Return of the Jedi and has some nostalgia to it, as long as he handles the core of the story in a different way. Um, I, I I think he's good at that. I love Mission Impossible Three. It is my favorite of all the Mission Impossible movies. That movie to me is infinitely watchable from start to finish, uh, and that's one of the reasons. And I like Super Eight. 
I agree with you. He does really good. He does a really, really good job of grabbing other influences and doing his own thing with them, but still having it be like those other things. But I like that about him, and and I like that he did that with the Force Awakens, and so uh, that's why I'm that's why I'm really really psyched for for what he's going to do with with nine, and I think it's cool that we disagree. Oh yeah, I don't know. Like everybody's entitled to their opinion. It's I guess it's I don't blame JJ. I feel he's only he's being empowered by a studio that I still don't think understands Star Wars. I I don't think I don't think George Lucas. I'll be our you know we've talked now for about three hours. We'll eventually get to the topic. But I do think no one understands Star Wars because Star Wars is so many different things to so many people. Yeah. But I think Disney, this is another thing I want. This all ties into Lucas and stuff. I guess maybe the title of this should have been like Understanding Star Wars. Because the next thing I just wanted to ask, I made jokes saying we'll all be dead before Disney stops making Star Wars films. Mm -hmm. And I like this. I, I, I like to pride myself on the fact that I know how to read the tea leaves and see the writing on the wall. And considering now that we have more TV series announced than movies, I'm thinking there's a very real possibility that Star Wars, and I would imagine the Mandalorian is going to be received like uh, nobody's business. I think it's going to be the, uh, it'll be another Force Awakens type scenario where you'll see if you don't like this, you're a bad person. Um, just from just from what I've I've heard from different contingents of the fan base, even the the angry people that I see on YouTube are looking forward to the Mandalorian. And considering that we already have our uh, Endor Calrissian prequel, the Rogue One series, which I think is odd, considering that in the media hype for the, or the the um, red carpet coverage for Rogue One, Kathleen Kennedy's like, no, it's called Rogue One. There's not going to be a Rogue Two. And then like a year and a half later, oh, we're going back to Rogue One characters. And even though I, I, I like Cassian Andor, I love Diego Luna as an actor, I'm getting the feeling of, and I think this goes for everything in Star Wars currently, is between Galaxy of Adventures, Forces of Destiny, uh, 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 was it the new video game coming out, the, the VR experiences, the, 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 the theme parks, there's, an, there's a vibe I'm getting of, let's just throw enough of it against the wall, and then we'll see what sticks. Am I am I being? I know John, you're you're Mister Optimist, and I like that about you. <laughs> so I need you to balance me out. I need you to be the the ice to my fire. I think I, that uh, I was just going to say. I think I've said that before on this show. Is I feel like the people who are doing Star Wars right now are just screaming. What do you guys want from the fan base? And they just keep hearing a ton of people screaming everything but what they are currently doing. Then they do that, and everyone screams. No, we wanted everything. The flip, flip it's just you they, they they're they're listening to a fan base that I don't even think knows what it wants anymore. I don't think they're listening to the fan base as much as the fan base thinks they're listening to them. There was a podcast where Christopher McQuarrie, who did uh, who did Fallout uh, and uh, and Rogue Nation, the Mission Impossible movies, <laughs> and before they went and did Fallout, um, he was presented with a whole mess of data, and it was demographic data. And it was movie receipts data. To re- I'll have to go find it. And when and you know when I find it, I'll, sh- I'll shoot it your way, your your guys' way, because I think you're really going to kick out of it. It was interesting to find out what it is they were actually looking at versus what the fandom thinks that they're looking at. I think a lot of this is a lot more calculated than than a, than, than a lot of us perceive. They just released that YouTube that that Disney YouTube Kids. I think that was really really smart because they can. 
without doing that, you put a show like Resistance out, which is okay. I enjoy it, but I really enjoy it because I'm watching it with my 12 year old. Um, it's not really giving me anything in terms of, uh, you know, any sort of meat to chew on. I really enjoyed Rebels. That had more mythology in it, and I, I like that much more. Resistance is just kind of it's just kind of there, and I enjoy it because I watch it with my kid. But they're they're moving this stuff to kids now. Right. And so you've got the Galaxy of Adventures. You've got your they're putting resistance on the YouTube channel for kids. Um, and they're they're trying to raise a younger audience to come and enjoy these older these, you know, these older adult things that they're that they're making. Um, I think there was a miscalculation real quick. And Iger addressed it when it came to Solo. I think a lot of that had to do with desires to get movies out at particular times. And they made a mistake with that and they overplayed their hand. I think that's the only time they've really overplayed their hand. I think I think Disney and Lucasfilm and Iger and Kathleen Kennedy are a heck of a lot smarter than what they're giving everybody credit for, and that they are they've mapped out way farther into the future than a lot of us even realize. And I'm okay with the level of content. I don't feel oversaturated because you know what? I can choose to watch it or not. And I think part of the problem is the Thank fandom. You. The fandom hasn't decided that yet. That's the problem. The fandom hasn't decided that it's okay not to watch Star Wars. And so every time they release something new, the fandom goes, yeah, it's something new. And then they go, oh, wait, uh, this is geared towards kids. Well, yeah, dummy, you don't have to go and watch it. So now the fandom's realizing, oh, they can put out Forces of Destiny and they can put out Lego All-Stars, which is really good, by the way. You guys should watch that. Um, they can put out Galaxy of Adventures and I don't have to go and watch it. I can wait till the grown-up stuff comes out. And that's a new dynamic for Star Wars fans, because Star Wars fans consume everything. And so I think we're just all kind of going through this phase right now where those of us that are used to consuming everything are going to have to make a decision. Yeah, I'm not going to go and consume that because it's not geared towards me. It's geared towards, you know, the young kids. And so I, 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 I'm not worried. As the ever-optimist, I'm, I'm, I'm not worried. Um, I, I think that Disney knows what they're doing. And they're going to give us the content when they want to give it to us. And they they're following the demographics. Uh, I think that we as fans are going to have to, you know, make our own decisions on what we want to consume and then realize that a lot of this stuff just ain't made for us. Two, two things with that. One of them ties into actual the topic of this or by the time, maybe by the time we're done, I have to re-edit the title, um, which is <laughs> nah, leave it. We'll get there. <laughs> we'll get there. But the first thing is. And this is with Lucasfilm. Like I said, I, 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 I'm not. When I say Lucasfilm, I mean it is a corporate entity that also includes Disney. Because I think Disney sticks. It's funny. We, everybody says no. There's no way that Disney sticks its fingers into Lucasfilm. They let these branches do what they want. And it's like, and, and John, correct me if you think differently or if you know differently. Um, I don't think any branch of any company lets its subsidiaries do what it wants. Carte blanche. Everything has to be run through the executive suite at some level or another. And my concern is, is that this is my own little personal antidote. When I was in college, I had a friend who absolutely hated movies. Just, that was not their cup of tea. Absolutely did not like movies, wanted no parts of them. This wasn't their thing. And they go on to get a job at Sony Pictures. And it's been a few years now, and they've, cl they've climbed the corporate ladder, and they're in a position now to start – and they're not an executive, don't get me wrong. But they're in a position when it comes to marketing stuff – and they know how to direct marketing funds. And this is somebody who doesn't understand how to do this stuff. Or, not, okay, that's not fair. This is somebody who does not have any passion for it and doesn't understand the intrinsics of just how to capture the public's imagination or just capture their attention in general. 
And my problem with Lucasfilm is, and I think, again, who knows, this could be leftovers from uh, George's era, or it could be people they've hired in the last couple of years. I think there are pe- the people, the, uh, the, the rank and file of Lucasfilm, not, not the executive suite, but there are people there, and I think they're in the majority, that see the Lucasfilm gig is more, it's a job. And it's probably a, a job with a lot of benefits uh, in the sense of considering how everybody under the age of 40 is obsessed with celebrity and media culture. And I think there are people there that make decisions that, not that they're indifferent, but it's just it, you make a decision the same way that uh, any day job someone might have. You make a decision because you're not passionate about it. I think that's what happens with a lot of this stuff. It's just, and plus, again, we all know Disney likes to market test these things out the wazoo, but it's funny how you have something like Marvel, and you have Kevin Feige in the MCU, and I know people hate it when I bring up the MCU, but you have a guy there that for over 10 years has been able to hit the moving target every single time. And yet, Star Wars is just as much an uh, equally time-tested brand, yet Lucasfilm can't... or. They can't seem, or at least that's how it comes across to me. Again, I could be wrong, or if anyone has a different opinion, please tell me so. Is that, look at Marvel. You have The MCU is more or less just movies. There's no video games. There's a couple of tie-in comics sprinkled in now and then. And TV but, shows. Yeah, TV yeah, shows. Yeah, those have nothing. Those, those are, it's funny. I've read stories about people that are on the set. Like, you know they do those like on-set things with the journalist. And I've heard stories where those the journalists are going to be like, oh, so when this is this going to tie into what Agents of Shield's doing? And the writers from the movies have no idea what they're talking about. They say, what? what? Uh, the TV shows are the afterthought. They get the remnants of knowledge well after the movies are are curated and they have know what they're doing. Daredevil and them don't have much, or even like Agents of Shield, Peggy Carter. I was about to say Daredevil doesn't have much because they're all being canceled. Well. That's a story for another day. That's a story for another day. Ooh, watch um, it's hot. Mm-hmm. <laughs> hot takes galore. But no, that's that's what concerns me though. Is that I, I, like um, you two have both said they don't know. Like the fan base has its own ideas of what's going to happen, and we're part of the fan base. And Lucasfilm and has their own angry. ideas. No, well, <laughs> yes. And but the problem though is that it seems like a much more scattershot approach what Lucasfilm is doing. What's the old adage? Never let them see you sweat. And I get that vibe from Lucasfilm where it's just their attention is just being pulled in so many different directions that, again, I, I wouldn't want to be Kathleen Kennedy for no other reason why, again, she's probably, she always doesn't have a chance to sit or take a sip of water, never mind, just kind of relax. And I think that's what it is, though. Lucasfilm is stretching itself too thin, whereas, again, everybody likes to compare Kevin Feige to Kathleen Kennedy, and I don't think that's a fair apples-to-apples comparison, because one is more or less just devoted to making movies. That's it. Like, think about it. You don't see Kevin Feige's name on a comic book or TV show or anything like that. It's just, that's his job, is to make sure he's a, a producer of the movies, and he's also the head of the studio, and with Kathleen Kennedy, she has to every all of these projects, whether it be Galaxy of Adventures, Vader Immortal, uh, the toys, the fourth, the, the licensing partner stuff like Forces of Destiny. All that has to be passed by her office, and I feel that sort of strain is showing five years later since, or I guess six years later since the buyout by Disney. Zanger, you or me? <laughs> you can go ahead. I've right. yelled about stuff enough on the show, I feel like, from time to time. So by all means. All right. I think that, and I'll give you my example. Okay. We're going to disagree again. Um, I think Kathleen Kennedy 
is a lot more like Kevin Feige than than you realize. And I think it's from this standpoint. I think that Kevin Feige is seeing just as much of the ancillary Marvel stuff as Kathleen Kennedy is, even though his focus is still on the movies. And I think Kathleen Kennedy is seeing just as much of the ancillary stuff for Star Wars, even though she's focused on the movies. And let me give you the let me give you the real world example here. Okay. I own I'm looking at my 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 Blu-ray collection here. Huge two huge bookcases. Uh, yeah. and I have all I have all the Marvel movies, right? Yeah. I don't have any of the Marvel comics. I don't watch what? Agent I don't watch Agents <laughs> of Shield. Okay. I don't watch any of the Marvel cartoons. I don't watch any of the Spider-Man cartoons. Um I own all the DC movies. I don't watch any of the the DC TV shows and there's a ton of them. There's the new Batgirl g- coming out. I'm not watching that. I don't read any of those uh, any of those comics. Again, I think this more goes back to if you get into the hardcore Marvel fan, they're following all that stuff. There's a couple of key guys, and you could probably know who they are, on Twitter who I actually have notifications set up for only because they're the first ones that actually have like good information and they throw it out there. Uh, Star Wars or Marvel you know, or DC Universe stuff. Uh, they'll tweet out stuff about comics and prequel comics for Avengers. There was a prequel comic that was coming out that was going to give us, give people hints for what was happening in Avengers. All that stuff exists. DC's got a crap ton of extra content that's out there. I don't watch a lick of it. I just watch the movies. So again, I think this is more, in my opinion, it's more a, it's more a hardcore Star Wars fan looking at what they're doing going, oh my gosh, this is all over the place. The average fan isn't doing. I don't think they're doing that. We do movie talk for our uh, for our weekly radio show every Friday, where we look at the movies coming out this week, and then we flash back and look at DVD releases. And one of the guys, he's a comedian. His name is Brian Miller, and we were talking about all the Marvel films because the trailer had just dropped. And he went through and was like, "Yeah, some of those movies I just didn't care for." Then I, I'll never go back and watch Ant-Man and the Wasp. And I hated Thor: The Dark World. I'll never go watch it again. But he loves all the other films. That's where Disney and Lucasfilm are heading with all of this. And for Star Wars fans, it's really overwhelming because I think a lot of us would be totally fine with just the movies. But we also consume all the other stuff, and I want to consume everything. But I know for me, after 150 podcasts, and you guys all know we're all hardcore Star Wars fans, right? I was a fan of Star Wars before anything else in my life. I was five years old when I saw it. Um... I didn't I didn't watch all the forces of destiny. I watched the galaxy of adventures, but only because they're a minute apiece. I liked them. Um, I probably would not be keeping up with resistance if it wasn't for the fact that there was first order stuff in it. And I was watching it with my with my son. Um, So I, 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 I can understand why you think that. And why you think it's all scattered. I think it's a lot more like that Marvel model than a lot of us realize and that and they're and they've quickly arrived at that and we're just all playing playing catch up now and that's why i'm not that's why i'm not worried as star wars fans i'll say it again we just have to be way more selective in what we consume and i and i really wish we were at a place where we were just i wish that we were at a place where we were just consuming star wars like we like we consume other stuff but we don't we get into all the backstories of the directors getting fired and and all the all the nonsense and and and, and we want to know every single detail and I think over a long enough time frame that stuff's going to kind of peter out a bit and hopefully we'll get to a place where we 
we consume Star Wars just on a content level and not so much of every... We're parked on top of a hill with a long-distance lens, and we think we see a death trooper. Oh, I just come on already. Give me a break. Did that make you feel better? Does that make you oh, feel better? Uh, no, no, I don't think anyone <laughs> feel better. Jim, I really like what you said, but Beyonce had one of the best albums this year. Jim. No, um, okay, so point to that. I'm not saying you're wrong. <laughs> But what I want to say is Marvel yeah, Comics and the Marvel one. Universe works ba- works slightly differently from how Star Wars works. Star Wars sadly exists all in its own universe sure. of everything is canon. Sure, sure, I'll give you that. Yeah, absolutely. But the comic and then that's and that, that's that's the thing. Zach constantly is asking me well, what's going on in the Star Wars comics right now, or what's going on in this, and I've, I, I I keep my finger vaguely on the pulse of the Star Wars comics just because I'm like I want to know what's going on in it because. They're, they're interesting, but I don't read all of them constantly, and I don't watch all the shows. Same thing with the Marvel stuff. It's I pay attention to the movies. I couldn't tell you what happened in Agents of the S.H.I.E.L.D., much less any of the other shows. It's they're, you, They've done a good job of making a world where you can pick how much you want to be devoted to it. And Star Wars, sadly, has books, comics, video games, movies, TV shows, all this stuff that is technically all one linear line of thought. Whereas Marvel and everything else has this like gunshot approach, I mean shotgun approach of, well, here's the movies line, here's the TV shows line of stuff, here's the comics, here's some books, here's some video games. Like they're all they're doing their own thing, and they could be connected. Like I know the new Spider-Man game is connected to something going on in the comics that that character does appear in the comics. But, but hold on, hold on real quick. It's only I know it's gonna and I don't know, I'm gonna stop you. Because I, I do dis because I do I do disagree with this point. It's only linear because we make it linear. Now, and I know that they've all said it's canon, right? And I and yeah. I get that. But big quotation fingers, by the way. Sh- sure, sure, absolutely. But you like look. You want? I watched an episode. The uh, the the uh, the Lego All Stars is a lot of fun. The reason it's a lot of fun is because they're putting the characters in situations that happen in the movies. So there's a moment where a couple of characters end up at, at, uh, at Maz Kanata's castle, and you see Finn and Han and Rey walk in, right? Yeah. It's, hyster- it's, it's hysterical, and I get a kick out of it, but I'm like, I know that that's not canon, yeah. right? And my, So my, my point is that, in my mind, it's only canon when they connect the two together. Like there's a comic that came out with the Vader comic where they, that moment mask and they were able to resurrect the force from somebody within this mask and all that. And I read a bunch of threads of people going, they're going to do this in the movies. And this is, I'm sitting back going, probably not. Well, no, they, they they did the same thing with the, with the, um, with rebels, the whole, that they saved um, Ahsoka through oh, that the world whole between weird timey, yeah, yeah. yeah that, that that weird timey-wimey gobbledygook stuff was gonna, somehow, that's how they're gonna undo Last Jedi or no. this, that, or the other. And it's like, no, they're never gonna do that. No, it's Why would they do that? Yeah, that exists in Rebels. Now, if they do it, there's a point of reference, and it's cool for us guys to go and watch that kind of stuff. And, but, and we nod, and we're like, awesome, yeah, I Yeah, get cool. That. But it really only becomes canon and linear when they decide it's going to become canon and linear. I think doesn't Marvel doesn't Marvel say that the Agents of Shield happens in parallel and that that's canon too? But yeah, but it, they they never reference it. In the, right. They very rarely touch on each other anymore. Right. Like the only be- time I think they had a big enough like crossover thing was during the events of um of the 
Captain America Winter yes. Soldier. Yes, right. And that's right, the only right. time because it was kind of relevant for it to have to happen then. No, I think Disney made a I think Disney and Lucasfilm and Lucasfilm made a made a made a conscious choice to remove obviously uh, the EU and make it Legends to start fresh, to start building something new. And then saying it was canon so that everybody had a point of reference. Yeah. But to, but to me, that only extends to when they actually go and connect those dots from, uh, you know, from from Mandalorian to a movie or from Resistance to a to a film. And and, you know, when you talk about the the things getting signed off on the creative process, I think that's where the story group comes in. I think the story group. Is, I, I is do not envy those people, by the way. No, no goodness. No, goodness. No. No, I think they're the they're the gatekeepers, and somebody presents them an idea and say, "Can we do this?" Yeah, you can do that because we're not going to go messing with it. You know, if uh, if Dave Filoni comes up and says, "We're going to do this world between worlds," and I'm kind of convinced in my head that he probably got that from George. I don't know. Uh, can we do this here? Yeah, go for it. You know, if we go and touch upon it later on, we'll touch upon it later on. I would be shocked if let me put it this way: I would be shocked if J.J. Abrams is even aware. <laughs> of the world between worlds episode and what actually happened with that. I, that would not like, if he said, I have, I never watched that. I'd be like, yeah, it doesn't surprise me. I could be totally wrong. Zach, you've been oddly silent for a, 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 Sorry, we went a normal a long time. No, no, no I, feel, I feel like his head's either exploded or he's just been <laughs> like, I'm done. No, it was well, awesome. It was a great discussion. No, that's why every week I, I listen to John's show and I sit there saying, "Man, I wish I could talk to him because <laughs> I could sit." Oh no, like like Zenger, I love you to pieces though, but you don't push back on me the way John does. You said you realize it's not worth the argument. Uh, plus, we, every we're now and then page. I do. No, you're good. No, you're good. Plus, you and I agree. That's why you're here because you agree with me most of the time. <laughs> is, is that? That's the only <laughs> I'm never so getting got, back on this show. He's going to burn his copy of Embark. Zenger strokes my ego. <laughs> it is the doorstop. Look, it's holding my door open and the pages are crunched. Exactly. See, that's see, folks, that was the subconscious part of using it as a doorstop. <laughs> uh, no, because my thing with Star Wars, and I, I think a lot, like, I am, I am not a huge fan of the EU. But I think the issue is, again, I, I don't, I, I feel like this is inception. We keep going back and back layers or further and further down to the bedrock of, of Star Wars decisions. But this is what I like to imagine. Is it, is, is it always that, that Last Jedi was a mistake? Well, for most people, not for me. No, last not, Jedi not, is, not, not for me either, but I, I, I assume that's where most arguments now lie with Star Wars. Well, it's funny. There's always the Star Wars will always have a new punching bag. That's a that's a sad reality of Star Wars. The fans will always pick something to punch just because they're bored. Um, but no. But going back to John's point with like uh, things like the EU and the the continuity of it all was that back in two thousand when they when they scraped the EU was that 2013 or 2014? Uh, thirteen, I think it was right. fairly it was fairly soon after the after the twenty twelve announcement. They didn't they they, they didn't waste much time because they wanted to get oh. content out there. All right, so this is my problem with that, and not because I've always you know I I can count all the EU stuff I like on one hand, but I still think that was a mistake for many reasons. But for this specific argument, it's because they thought by wiping the EU, and I think John, you you hinted at this along with Sanger, was that by wiping the EU and starting fresh, which I think we all can agree upon, that was. Starting fresh was the goal, which is an admirable goal. But the problem is that they saw it is with every single decision Lucasfilm makes. I think this goes back to uh, the day after the film came out in 1977. The dollar signs in their eyes appeared, which don't blame and them. God, those hurt when those happen. 
Well, not for Lucas. Lucas learned how to see through those. He's the only man that's able to see through a cataract. That's basically what it is. <laughs> but but the, the point is, by doing the EU cleanse, it was there for, okay, if we reset the table, everything we produce, people will have to, the hardcores, and I think John and Zenger both will agree, if there's any, uh, any sort of media fan base that's been exploited for its entire existence at Star Wars. And to be fair, I think that's... Uh, uh, both sides have agreed to that, both the fans and the, the Lucasfilm. And they figured most Star Wars fans, or the hardcore ones, have a invisible gun to their head that says, you must own everything Star Wars and consume everything Star Wars, or else or you're else. not a real Star Wars. Yeah, or else, or, or else you're not a real Star Wars fan. And I think they figured if we reset the timeline, and I've, I think I've equated Star Wars fan base to a perpetual game of bar trivia... Where every fans, how fans determine their uh, fanness by who's a bigger fan is by knowing the most stuff. That's why yeah, poor that's Pablo true. Hidalgo has been chased off Twitter so many times because fans just keep harassing him because they see him as the the ultimate benchmark of saying, "Ha ha, Johnny! Ha ha, Janie! Pablo told me this factoid that I knew and you didn't, so I'm a bigger Star Wars fan." And I feel by them doing that, by making everything canon, and you have the weird psychosis that goes on in the Star Wars fan base, you've created this weird sort of dilemma where fans feel compelled to, com uh, to consume everything. And by doing that for solely a financial gain, Kathleen Kennedy, I can't imagine saying, we're, do we're wiping the EU clean because... We're doing this because we want to give the artists the free reign to do what they want. They could they, they could do what Lucas did. You just ignore the EU. The EU's there if you want to read it. If it if it conflicts, it conflicts. Who cares? It, it's it's made up space stories. Whatever. It's not life or death. And by but by making that decision that everything is canon, you're having fifty five year old men that feel compelled to watch Galaxy of Adventure and Forces of Destiny. And by doing that, you're inviting that sort of mentality into every single discussion. So you'll see a bunch of mommy bloggers on mommybloggers.net talking about, wow, my kids really like the Forces of Destiny sh uh, shorts. Oh yeah, my daughter loves the, the Luke and Yoda one. Oh, my son loves playing with Sabine because he loves her like her mask. And yet you'll have some 45-year-old man walk in there and say, because it has Star Wars written on it, and say, this is garbage, this shouldn't be part of it. And I'm not saying that happens a lot. But they've opened, they've they've unintentionally open the Pandora's box. Whereas I know we've talked about Marvel and Marvel has, I guess Marvel has more crap out in the ether than anybody else. Probably again, I'm pretty sure every single product in existence has a Spider-Man logo on it or will at some point, but by the MCU is its own partition. The MCU is the most successful Marvel has ever been and probably will ever be. And by putting that partition to it, which Kevin Feige has deliberately done, that's the reason why things like Inhumans and, and other weird stuff that they do are, are oddly around it, not inside the camp, is that uh, what goes on during, I don't know, there's so many Spider-Man TV shows now on cable, it's, oh, that has no effect on us, and yet nobody even for a split second thinks it has like, there's not, I, don't, I, I would imagine there's not one person, or if there are, there's only a handful of them who, who watch uh, Zanger, what's the name of the new Spider-Man show on, on Disney XD? Do you know the name of it? I, I know there's so many it's different... Superior Spider-Man now? 
What I don't know. They, they, they keep canceling ones I enjoy. So, <laughs> <laughs> so well, let's just use that for the sake of argument, whether it's true or not. Superiors, no one's on the internet complaining. Superior Spider-Man is it clearly is an inferior product because at point thirty four minutes, uh, Peter Parker does this, but in the TV in the movie Spider-Man: Homecoming, Ned says that uh, Tom Holland did this instead. Nobody's having those arguments, and I feel. That that's the folly of Lucasfilm is that they weren't able to read the tea leaves on this, and, and that's not because I'm not trying to say that they have to be omnipotent and see that far ahead to the future. It's just there is Star Wars is one of those fan bases which has been going on, and it's, it's a predictable fan base. That's the sad thing. I think John can attest to this. We've had the same growing pains in the 80s. We've had the same growing pains in the 90s and 2000s, and we're having it now. And, I, and as everybody knows, people who don't learn their history are doomed to repeat it. And, I, and that's why I think 2019, and I, I, I'm curious to know what John thinks about this, I think we are in a transition point when it comes to Star Wars. I think 2018 and 2019 are transition points. And what happens in the next year is going to dictate what happens probably for the next 10. Because that's just how these things are. A lot, sometimes there's just... Nobody can sense them. Nobody knows in the exact moment, though. But they're just these sort of vibes people get about what's clicking and what's not clicking. And with a year as big as 2019, which I think we all can agree upon, is probably the the the, the first year in Star Wars we've had the most amount of content in ever. I don't think we'll, we've never had a year with this much Star Wars content, or at least this much diverse Star Wars content. And and that's been, I know I kind of I rambled on and on. I'm making up for all the time I was quiet, but. <laughs> I think that's the thing, though, is that they open the Pandora's box and they don't exactly know how to shut it or at the very least... Oh, get it closed! Get it closed! I... <laughs> oh, right. Hold on, real quick. Yeah. What did you refer to, to the it's space stories or what? Was that, Zach? What, what were we talking about? You, you referred to that, you said, like, space stories or space something... About Star Wars? Yeah, early, like when you were rambling, you said um, <laughs> these people getting upset about their space stories or something. Well, well, okay. So what, what was the term? I said a lot of things. I'm not, I shouldn't be expected to remember all oh, of it. Darn it, because I was like, great, I just found the title for my book, and now I don't know it. <laughs> all right, I'll go, while I'm editing this, we'll go back and replay it. <laughs> it's made up space stories, whatever. And And that will be the title of my book. A.K.A. the time I spent as a Star Wars podcaster. <laughs> oh, dear. See, we have fun on this podcast, folks. So far, the only mistake that I feel like that, that, that Disney has made, and it was a Disney one, is if we are to believe what we've been told, and Bob Iger owned it, was where they released Solo. So close to The Last Jedi. I don't think the solo box office had anything to do with The Last Jedi. Uh, personally, I think it was more just about the release and the oversaturation at the time, given the nature of what Solo was, right? I love that. I love that movie. I absolutely love Solo. I think it's fantastic. Uh, I, I love it even more and more the, the more that I watch it. It's a different type of Star Wars movie. It's different than Rogue One. It's certainly different than the saga films. Um, that type of movie released where it was, it just didn't have the... It didn't have the the the, the mythology to to drive people to the to the uh, 
to the box office. Okay, so that being said, I think that's the only mis- the, the only mistake that they've made, and I think that they're they course corrected from that. And I think that Nine's going to make gangbusters worth of worth of money. I think the moment that first trailer drops, uh, it's going to be game on. Um, I think every year is a transition year. Um, and and I, I I won't ramble on. I'll just kind of boil boil down my thoughts because I do I do I do disagree. I think that Disney and Lucasfilm, you know, combined entities, whatever, however, however you want to look at them, they're I, I think they're looking at raw numbers, and they're not going into the into the level of the fandom that we all see. When I head into a weekend, if I disconnect from online, it's a completely different weekend for me than if I stay engaged online with my normal following of news and politics and that and that type of stuff. Management for me at my radio station doesn't care what people are saying about the show online, on Facebook messages, on Twitter. All they care about, are we giving them the results? Are they making money because they're able to sell advertising? And are we getting ratings? That's what they're looking at. When you look at The Last Jedi, I don't think... It's all about ratings, people. Yeah, I don't think that they care. I'm sure that they care about the controversy around The Last Jedi, but if you are able to boil down those numbers of the percentage of individuals that are actually upset... It's not nearly as big as what everybody thinks that it is. And look at the box office numbers, right? I, you, I think if you ask the fandom, the fandom would say, right? We'll just say it for the sake of argument, fandom. And we'll go on Reddit. We'll just throw it on Reddit. Throw it on Reddit or YouTube uh, or, or Twitter. And ask them, you know, which movie do you like more? You know, Last Jedi or Solo? You'd probably get a more rounded response for Solo than you would The Last Jedi, okay? Let's just say for the sake of argument. If you're going to the people that are engaged online and are really vocal. But look at the box office numbers. Last Jedi kills it. Kills it. Because that that appealed to a much broader audience, the public at large, that isn't paying attention to all the nonsense. The guy that sits across from me every day and does the show Monday through Friday with me loves Star Wars. He doesn't go to any of the forums. He doesn't go on Reddit. He sees some of the ancillary stuff that gets out there when it comes to the controversy around The Last Jedi, but he's not paying attention to it. I think Disney's looking at raw demographics and numbers, and it goes back to that comment that I made about uh, Christopher McQuarrie and the numbers that he showed him of box office returns and the number of young people that aren't going to the theater anymore and are watching stuff at home, which is why they're devoting so much time and attention to the... The series online on their streaming service, whether it's the Cassie and Andor series or whether it's the Mandalorian series, because we used to all go to the movies every week because that's just what we did. Millennials are only going to the theaters now if it's an event. You know, Solo wasn't an event for them. Last Jedi was. Episode nine will be. Or, you know, I'll go to the movies if my movie pass would let me. Right. (laughs) Which, on that note, canceled mine today. Take that, movie pass. I'm doing AMC A-list, and it's spectacular. I wish um, we had an AMC around here. Yeah, it's really good. I, I, I love it. Um, I think that Disney will go to a one-movie, big-movie-a-year release schedule. Maybe we'll get two if they get the fandom to a place where they're treating it like the Marvel movies. A safe space. Yeah, yeah. And I think it's going to take, you know, and, and you know what I think it's going to be, guys? I think it's going to be the fandom getting older and shutting up. That's why they're developing all this younger content. I think the Galaxy of Adventures is a stroke of genius. I think it's a stroke of genius because you can introduce an audience with real quick snippets of the Star Wars universe from the original trilogy using the actual 
audio from the original trilogy. And as they get older and visit those, they'll have a point of reference. Oh, man, I heard that when I was a kid when I watched Galaxy of Adventures. So ultimately what I'm saying is I kind of disagree. I think that Disney and Lucasfilm are looking at raw numbers of what's bringing in the money, what people are going and watching, what are they clicking on, and they're developing the content based off of that. And part of what their design is is to make sure that they're growing a new audience at a very, very young age. And that's a bunch of stuff that is simply just not geared for 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 us. Not, you know, for me, I'm 46 years old. It's not aimed at me. It's aimed even younger than my 12-year-old. Um, yeah, so there you go. There's my rant. I think John agreed with me with a very uh, in a contorted way. He agreed with me. Do you need that to I, sleep at night, Zach? Well, no, I don't, even, I don't even need to say that because my psyche just tells me that. It doesn't need that sort of uh, verbal reformation. Uh, uh, no, but I, though John has, I think John and I are agreeing. I think we're just not doing it in so many words. Is that I'm not... I'm he not, needs this, people. <laughs> I told you, this is what you need. I, I, I feel like at one point there's going to be a John Justice and Zach podcast, like a modern day of Hannity and Combs, where yeah. it's just us sitting on opposite that's, sides of the room just kind of yelling at each other. That's pretty, like, that's we shake funny. hands afterwards and we're good, yeah, but like yeah. there's... There's a disagreement here into how things are, are going. I feel exactly the same way about you right now that I that I that I did when we started the show today. So I've got oh, no good. good. Yeah, no, I, I know. Oh no, I don't I care. I, I don't care what any. It's all oh, relative. By the way, dibs know? on producer credit for that. <laughs> <laughs> no, but I, John is correct. I uh, I remember I did a YouTube. Oh, it was an episode of this podcast called "Understanding the Box Office Failure of Solo," and I said it then. This was back in May. That I think the amount of people who didn't go see Solo because of the Last Jedi, you could fit, you probably couldn't even fill a phone booth with them. Right. And but I don't think they're the issue though, because I, I I've said a couple of times here, like I'm always wearing some sort of Star Wars apparel. So anytime I go out anywhere or just I'm doing anything, uh, people will come up and be like, "Oh, what do you think of that last Star Wars movie?" The type of person John mentioned, the casual fan. And Just casuals. Yes, filthy casuals. And I'll say, what do you think about Star Wars? Because I'm, like, I'm the jerk wearing the shirt. You know my opinions on this. What are your thoughts on it? And I, always, I tell them, I do a podcast. I always, I, uh, I live for hearing non-Star Wars fans' opinions on Star Wars. And they'll say, oh, I haven't seen that last one, whatever that may be at the time. But I heard, I hear people say that Disney's really messing up Star Wars. And that's They're messing what- up my Star Wars. Must Star Wars, M-U-H, not M-Y, and whether that's true or not, and I think John and I talked about this back when he came on during the aftermath of Solo, it was, that is a, again, narratives are dangerous, especially in today's culture, because, and this ties into about four hours after starting this recording, we're actually going to start talking about what I planned on, but we're not going to have enough time to discuss, is... Oh, I don't think it's going to take that long. Well, it deserves its time, but it's the it's the power of narratives, and because I'll, I'll link to it in the show notes. But there was an energy. I was going through. It's funny. I had a flood in my garage a couple of weeks ago, and a bunch of stuff got ruined, and it required me to go through some stuff. And I found a box full of old magazines. And by old, I'm talking about 10, 10 plus years ago. And one of the boxes that didn't get ruined. Magazines were relevant ten years ago. Yes, because you find articles like this that Entertainment Weekly did not put online. So yes. Oh. And I actually found a really interesting article in a Star Wars Insider from when Star Wars Clone Wars came out in Zenger. I'll share that with you Ooh. in a couple of weeks. In this article that I shared with both John and Zenger, the title on the magazine is, this is from May 20th, 2005. It's a picture of Hayden Christensen. It says, Star Wars, will Revenge of the Sith save the Lucas legacy? 
And to this day, and to this day, we're having. <laughs> oh dear! But to this day, we're still having arguments. <laughs> we're still having arguments about whether the last. Oh, I'm not sorry. The last guy about whether the prequels were good or not. Like, and I, and I don't mean like we as in the hardcores. I mean just we Star as a society. Wars. Well, yeah, society. The, the, the hard-hitting issues. Poverty, a hunger, right. uh, Star Wars prequels quality. These um, <laughs> just that keep us up late at night. But no, I think that's the I dangerous thing. I have recurring nightmares that revolve around it. <laughs> Um, but no, I think that's the, I, I know I, John, obviously in his opinion, he feels that the only folly they've had is the, the release of solo or the, the timing of solo. I think even if Lucasfilm hit uh, four out of four out of the park, there's a very dangerous narrative surrounding star Wars now and, I, and not dangerous as in it's going to sink the franchise, but it's just something that it's going to be like the prequels. It, it, there's a narrative that's going to just hang over its head that because either a lot of uninformed people are writing articles or just speaking their opinion, or you have or and or you have a lot of people out there that just believe everything that they read and don't think about it for themselves. Whether whether they think I'm not saying that if you don't think the Star Wars prequels are good that you're that you're unintelligent. I'm not saying that at all. You just have to think for yourself. Don't just read a headline and go, that's a great opinion. I'm gonna put that in my pocket for later and move on. It's that's the only thing that scares me about the current current uh, landscape of Star Wars. Hmm. It doesn't scare me. No. No. It doesn't. I, I, no. I, I, it doesn't. And, I, and maybe it's because of what the nature of what I do and, and sort of, um, I don't know. I, 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 I'm hesitant to say I'm in entertainment, but I suppose I am. I mean, I've been a radio host for 22 years. I, I, I just, um, I, it, doesn't, it doesn't worry me. Uh, I don't like seeing the fandom the way that it is, but I also think that that's, I'm of the opinion it's always been there, and it's just been because of the fact that everybody has the ability to put their voice out or or comments out on a moment's notice, and we're all paying attention to it, that that's the reason why we see it. I think if you had had, uh, shifted the timeline and released The Phantom Menace today, I mean, there was enough controversy back then when it came out, I mean, for crying out loud. Um, you know, you'd see the same type of, of, of divisions, obviously, but amplified even more. Um, it's almost to the point where regardless of what you put out in terms of content, you're going to get, you're going to get backlash. It just doesn't matter because you can't make everybody happy. So, um, it doesn't, it doesn't worry me. Um, I trust what they're doing and I trust what they're making. And, uh, I've had to come to grips on my own of like, yeah, and it was really forces of destiny was the first one. Forces of Destiny was the first sort of content they put out that I went. I'm not going to watch those, uh, and I and I didn't and it didn't feel good to do that because I love my Star Wars so much. So I had to come to terms with that. Uh, so I'm not. Yeah, it doesn't. It doesn't. It doesn't. It doesn't worry me. All right, Zanger. Any thoughts on all this? Um, down with the internet. It's caused all of these problems. <laughs> that definitely would solve a lot of problems. Seriously. <laughs> I agree with that. <laughs> but I think well, my issue. Not kidding, it is my issue. Uh, there's no way is that like, <laughs> even like I, I am Mr. Box Office Prognosticator, and I'm looking at the I'm looking at 2015. Stop touching that box office. Yes, I'm looking at 2015, 17, and 19, and I'm looking at all the movies that came out in that time. Because anybody who knows when it comes to a big headliner blockbuster. 
depending on whoever studio that's releasing it, most of the others, if it's that big of a title, usually get out of the way of, of that sort of thing. They don't put film, like, they might do a counter programming film, but nothing really uh, another blockbuster or a tentpole in its way, in fear of it getting blown out of the water. And I'm looking at, I'm going, again, I'm analyzing 2015, 2017, in 2019, and obviously 2019, that's tentative. It could very well change between now and then. But you look at 2015 with The Force Awakens. Force Awakens, 10 years of buildup. The, the episode 7 everybody's been wanting to see since 1983. And you look what came out that winter. Really, the only blockbuster that came out in that winter season was The Force Awakens. You had a couple of things like Daddy's Home with Will Ferrell. You had like Alvin the Chipmunks Part 15. Uh, whatever that was called, but really no competition because the studios knew how to get out of the way of Star Wars. You fast forward two years later, Last Jedi. Last Jedi comes out, and then in the 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 wake of that, you have Jumanji, Pitch Perfect, and The Greatest Showman. Jumanji made an absurd amount of money, which to this day I think is the reason why Last Jedi didn't make more money, was that a lot of parents just read reviews about Last Jedi and said, I'm not going to sit through a two and a half hour long movie with my kid. I'm going to take them to the 90 minute Jumanji instead. And plus, it, plus a lot of people didn't feel compelled to go see Last Jedi again for all the aforementioned reasons. And then you, it, it, but the, the moral of 2017 is the studios were starting to not be as scared of Star Wars as they once were. And now we go to the 2019 schedule and this is what we're looking at. You have, at the end of November, we have Frozen 2, which is good. I think we all can agree Frozen 2 is going to be a seismic blockbuster. We have Jumanji 2, Cats, the movie based on the Broadway musical. That, the movie, that, that movie's been in production in the sense that they want to make a Cats movie for 20 years. Then we have Masters of the Universe, and Lord knows what else will, will come out in that time. There's a couple other blockbusters coming out, but I don't know if they're off the top of my head. And I think that's the lessons that the other studios now smell blood in the water with Star Wars. They there's this thing of Star Wars is no longer the what's the word? Oh God, unstoppable force. It's that they can put like Jumanji showed along with the Greatest Showman that you can put things against Star Wars. Things are and yes, Greatest Showman maybe it's not the best com comparison, but Jumanji, whatever it's called, uh, Welcome to the Jungle was a very similar in the sense of a genre. It's an action-adventure film. And the fact that Sony felt brazen enough to put that next to, to The Last Jedi, and the fact that it made 400... I think it what was... Oh, 300 million, excuse me. I, I said 400. I didn't mean that. But the fact that it made that much money, it made, I think, almost a billion dollars. Oh, no, it did make 400 million. I was right. Uh, I think the fact that... I think that took away from Last Jedi's grosses because uh, I've said before with box office math, if you, want if you want to know if a film had a leggy run, it should make three times its opening weekend. Yes, Last Jedi had like the third highest grossing weekend of all time, but still, it should have gotten to around $660 million to show a leggy run, and it did not get to that point. So there was money left on the table when it came to The Last Jedi. Beyond... Again, we're not talking about the controversy and all the, 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 the crybabies. But it's just, there, there are signs here that, like John said, with Christopher McQuarrie, they are looking at this data. And yes, they have infinitesimal more amounts of intricate data than I do. But the fact that I can see this means they can see it. And it's definitely keeping someone up at night at Lucasfilm that the studios are no longer afraid of Star Wars. I think they always expected it. Really? Yeah, I do. I think that they 
they always they, they were always going to dilute. They were always going to produce a lot of content when they purchased it. And I think it's what George wanted to do. I think George wanted to expand it and to have more things. You can't have more things without trimming. You have more things to spread across more platforms and get more demographics, but you can't do that without diminishing the hype surrounding the singular things. And I tend to believe that Disney knew that was going to happen all along. I think that, again, I think they miscalculated with Solo. I think if they were putting out Solo like this weekend with nothing coming out this weekend, it would have killed, especially at a time when people actually are dying like me and and other non-hardcore fans that I know are going, man, I really wish we had a Star Wars film this holiday season because we don't. I think if they had put it out this weekend, it would have done way better than it did. To me, that was their that was the big mistake. I think that they but they know that there's going to be a point of diminishing returns with more content that you put out. The question is, are they making money? And I think the answer is going to be they will always be making money. It just won't be the gonzo monstrous numbers that you typically see. Sometimes they will and sometimes they won't. But as long as they get a return on their investment, I think they're fine with it. Yeah. All right. So like I said, John, and I disagree on this. Um, I, I hope so. Like, like I do. It's, it's the old adage, uh, prepare for the worst, hope for the best. Like I said, I, I really do hope. So let me see, cause we're not, obviously we're not going to get to the topic at hand. I'm going to have to uh, edit the, the, the opening of this. Oh, I wanted to give my like one, one sentence response. Yeah. yeah I can give my one second response too. You guys can just, all right, everybody. Up to you. I mean, we, we, we could still do a full episode, <laughs> but I can do a quick response. All right, it. folks. We, I originally planned for this before I start asking a uh, buckshot questions, much like how I'm accusing Lucasfilm of doing the original title was what will George, will George Lucas ever return to star Wars? Um, Gentlemen, go at it. You want to go? You, 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 you are the first. guest. You are the oh, okay. guest. Okay, all right. I'm the guest. Uh, no, and he shouldn't. That I he I don't think he will. Um, I don't necessarily think he should. Would I be upset if he did? No, of course not. Would I watch it? Absolutely, I would. But I think he sold. I, th- I think he sold the franchise. I think he sold the all of it for a reason. I think a lot of people are pining for him to come back because of all their random frustrations for a lot of things. George Lucas was a great teller of stories, um, but he wasn't necessarily a great storyteller. <laughs> um, I would be, I would want to see him come back in a capacity where he outlined a story of what it should be, maybe even wrote the screenplay and then gave it to somebody else to go shoot and direct. I personally don't think that there's any chance that you'll see George Lucas come back, get behind the camera, and shoot another another Star Wars film of. Of any kind. I think that he's had his time. He's enjoying where he is right now, watching all this stuff happen, uh, visiting the sets, but I think that's the extent of it. And I'm personally okay with that. I agree. I think he will be somebody who, like, it would be cool if he did that. The only other adage I would like to add on is if they do a TV show, let's say they do a TV show, let's say the TV show is vaguely successful. Let's say they have him come on and like do a second unit, or you know he writes the story for that episode, sure. or does or even I direct can, an episode. Yeah, I can I see, see that. that. I can see him being part of the TV show, or him like maybe on one of the movies being a like creative consultant, or I can see his name appearing again, but not a substantial like he's 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 locked in again. I think that George is still involved in this a heck of a lot more than people than, than 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 we're led to believe. I think he's having a lot more conversations with these content creators. I um, than, I'd like than, to think than people say I really he has do. a red phone 
in his yeah. house. Yeah. And it's, I, and it's a red phone that, that rings when they have to ask him something. And he's just like, walks by it, it rings, he picks up, he's like, hello? Oh, yeah, you should create a new character. I think it would be great. Now, let me tell you some of my ideas. And the phone hangs up <laughs> on the other end. But he talks for like 20 minutes. <laughs> That's what I like to imagine happens on a very regular basis. <laughs> oh, poor, 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 hey, Lucas. With his billions of dollars. Yeah, I agree for the most part. I think uh, Lucas won't come back. Like John said, he probably, he's probably, can we keep, we only, it's funny, every year or so we'll see like some sort of like paparazzi or like TMZ-esque photo of him like in a cafe or a restaurant with like one of the new actors or filmmakers. Like, well, I was about every- to say, there was a TMZ segment a few months back where he was like getting on people about getting his signature and bothering them. Oh yeah, I remember that. How you doing, Mr. Lucas? Hey, Mr. Lucas? Mr. Lucas, how do you think Ron Howard would do directing the Han Solo movie, sir? I think he'll be great. That's awesome. Any yeah. suggestions for him? Nope. Okay. Not my job. Okay. Mr. Lucas, no, I've how, already done how do you feel about the uh, the LA count, City Council vote tomorrow? You get, got good feelings about it? Well, if we get it, it'll be great. Anything to say to them to uh, sway their votes? To who? To the LA City Council people to sway their votes in your direction? Uh, there's nothing I can do. They're, I think they've already made their decision. They're either gonna, no, I'm not going to keep doing that, guys. You know, this is $200 a signature, so why don't you just go out and get a job? There you go, Mr. Lucas. $200 a signature, go get it. Yeah, these people are here to make money. They're not here. They're not fans. They don't care. They just want to make money. They just want to put it on eBay. That's it. I just signed it. He just got $1,000 worth of stuff. He won. You're a very generous man. Mr. Lucas, what do you think about Mark Hamill finally getting his star on the Hollywood Walk of Fame? I think that's fine. Here's your thing. Somebody's got this. Mine, mine, mine. Thank you so much, George. Yeah, like I said, like we were talking about that what a couple weeks ago that somebody took pictures of him like in a food court, like eating a meal. It's like just yep. let the man eat his. Well, no, he, he right. getting himself signed, and someone was like filming it, and he's like, "These aren't even for you." Yeah, 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 yeah. he straight up was like, "I know what you're doing with these," uh, and then just signed them anyways. <laughs> Well, because he's, he's a good-natured guy. It's like, because like, he, he looks at it and goes, if I sign this, someone's going to make like $2,000 off of it. It requires absolutely no effort on my part. Like, that's that's what he probably can. He's not a bad guy. Like, that's a sad thing, too, Star Wars fan base. They vilified this poor man. And all he, he's like, at the end of the day. He just wants to sit in the goddamn food court and eat his Chinese food. Leave him alone. <laughs> but it's true, though. He's just like, I think about it. We're all people at the end of the day. Like, just because some of us have done, like, more things in our lifetime, he's just a guy. Like, that's the sad thing. We treat him like, like we, we put him on this incredible pedestal that's not fair for any person to have to sit there and live on. And yet when they do kind of, like, waver on it or get, like, a little bit off balance, we attack them. And that's, I think that's the ultimate tragedy of George Lucas. And to this day, I, he's been talking about forever making, like, his special artsy films. I want to see one of his modern-day artsy films. Stun silence. You know what? That is stun silence of agreement. I love no, it. No, it was stun silence of let, let me see if I can work a Jar Jar Binks joke in here. Yeah. No, I think I'm good. I don't need to see his artsy films. I saw THX 1138 and it's kind of boring. 
Okay, you know what, folks? I think we're they say never meet your heroes, and clearly this is happening. And don't you dare speak ill of THX. THX is it's, bonkers. It's a, it's, a, it's a product of its time. It's a product, but it's not a go-to. It's not a go-to. I'm going to sit down and watch THX 1138. Don't you dare say bad things about THX. Oh, all right. Final, final question for John. All right. Holiday special. Yeah. Two sentences, three if you have to. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> there it is. That's one sentence. You got one, maybe one, two more. I'm glad that it exists. <laughs> okay. Well, you know what? We'll keep it ambiguous. Let everybody figure it. Let everybody figure out whether that. Means I'd like to assume he means that in the sense of as light torture for people. You no, know, I just, I, I, I just, I like the fact that it's a thing. You know, it's, it's, <laughs> it's. I have it on VHS. If you know, if somebody burned a copy and 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 if they released it, I'd probably buy it throw it in to show somebody for fun, but it's, it's just, it's a part of the star Wars fandom. So for that, I'm glad that it exists. It's a fascinating story behind how that whole thing came about and what happened to it. So, you know, I'd not Canon. <laughs> <laughs> John, I have to ask if you have a free moment. Do you still have the VHS tape? Uh huh. Yeah. Could you please take a picture of it? I'm fascinated by uh, cover art of that film. Oh yeah. I got to, yeah, I'll have to find it. Yeah. I got around here somewhere. I don't think right. I think it's just on a on a you know on your on your standard VHS tape with the black magic markers. Oh, I thought it had like, 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 like a, no, like, no, it wasn't like oh. a purchase deal. No, and it was something that I you know I I think I got it off of somebody else who copied of it. But yeah, I do have a copy of. It. I'd be more oh. than happy to show you the handwritten oh. VHS copy. Well, I wouldn't say no to that either. I was just hoping for a little bit more. No, 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 no. There's no cover for it or anything like that. All right, with uh, uh anything else, you ready to wrap this bad boy up? I'm good. Zeng, are you good? Yep. So concludes this episode of the Knights of Vader, a Star Wars podcast. Check out our Facebook group, type in Knights of Vader in the Facebook, and chances are you will find it. If you like what you hear, please rate, review, and subscribe to us on iTunes or whatever podcasting platform you're currently listening to us on. Thank you to An Inspiriority Complex for providing our theme song. Check out their new album, Semi-Perfect Sublime, on Bandcamp. Check the link in the description for more. Zenger, where can people find you? Uh, they can find me yelling about nerdy stuff every week on my podcast, Zing This. And I'd like to thank John Justice for coming on. Please check out his book, Embark, available on Amazon, both as a physical purchase and a digital item. And John, thank you so much for coming on. It's fun to argue with people. It's a nice change. Yeah, man. I didn't even think it was arguing. And I thought I, I, I dug it. I, I, re I really did. You have me, have me back anytime, and people can find me, John J O N Justice, on Twitter at the My Nerd World. And uh, I'll do one more quick plug. If you like Star Wars, and why you know why would you listen to the show if you didn't? Um, I'm confident that you'll uh, that you'll enjoy Embark. So I hope you go out and pick it up and have me back anytime, guys. It was fun. Tune yeah. in next week when we decide who is the handy and who's the comms amongst the both of us. Am <laughs> I the handy? Is John the combs, or am I the combs and he's the handy? Check out next week for more. Zanger, what is our moment of Zang? Uh, the secret to film is that it's an illusion. Is there a reason why it's being done in the George Lucas voice? Because it's a quote by him. Oh! Yeah, okay, I, got, I got that. Yeah, I, 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 I did. What a horrible Star Wars fan I am. You didn't see John I, I would Star like Wars to podcast. assume he said that while standing in the middle of a green screen set with everything <laughs> around him green. And he was explaining... To Hayden Christensen, the scene. <laughs> <laughs> oh, dear. All righty, everybody. Have a good night. Bye, Bye boys. <laughs>